Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome again to another episode of Hey Doc, Do You Have a Second? As always, I'm your host, Trey, and today I want to kind of just get some things off my chest and then tell you a little story about one of my sailors back in the day. You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, we're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash dgutspodcast. Pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. Let's get into it. Have you ever struggled with self-worth or have you ever felt like you're in an imposter syndrome or you're experiencing imposter syndrome? I experience those type of feelings quite often at work. Maybe it's because of my lack of experience or maybe it's the lack of trust in myself that I know what I'm doing. But it's something I experience almost daily. I feel overwhelmed a lot when I'm at work. I feel like there's always something I need to be doing and I'm not completing enough small tasks to get the whole picture, you know, completed on a timely basis. And I don't have to go into details to explain how that makes sense because everyone has their job, their responsibilities. They have tasks they do every day. Well, in, in my world, I feel like I'm not getting stuff done well enough and I'm not getting enough stuff done. Some days I go to work and I'm thinking I'm doing great. Some days I get chin checked and I get outed as, hey, this person's lacking a skill in this area. I want to give you an example of that. Career counselors, we, we route up a monthly report every month. And this past month, we were reformatting our monthly report to meet the new requirements that go in this report. Because pre previously we had a, you know, a whole monthly report formatted nice. It was nice and squared away. But now there's new requirements that need to be added into this. So there's shifting and reformatting. New reports have to be drafted. Just a bunch of different stuff. So I waited till my whole team... Well, you know, we were all in the office together so we could brainstorm this and tackle it as a team. We came up with a game plan, so I spent the whole week preparing this new report, got it all done, thought, hey, signed up, you know, signed my stuff, ratted it up, bam, completed, a lot of weight off my shoulders. Well, the other day, I get called into my, one of my chain of command, or I got called into my senior chief's office, and he's like, hey, look at this. I'm looking at it, and I obviously see the glaring issue at hand. I formatted something wrong. I even signed it, which means I saw it. And he's like, do you see what's wrong here? Yes. Senior, I see what's wrong there. He's like, okay, cool. I'm just making sure we're on the same page here. 
So that that cracked the door or cracked open a can of worms. And now he's going to dig through my whole report. That's his job. And I think I thank I thank him for doing that. So we went through the whole report and explained to him why these things and why this information was in there. You know, typical stuff. And then he starts finding more stuff inside this correspondence and this report where I didn't format stuff right or I didn't have I just wasn't meeting I wasn't doing thing every I wasn't doing everything perfect inside that correspondence. I wasn't doing anything wrong. It's just that some formatting stuff was wrong. So he's like, hey, this is here. And he realized at that point, hey, this guy probably doesn't have the most experience in this area. Well, crap. This is just solidifying my my feelings experience, or my thoughts even more. Like, hey, you, you actually don't know what you're doing. Well, crap. But. And in, and in my experience, this is where things go downhill and the senior chief would usually tell you how crappy you are or, you know, maybe find you a replacement, right? Because how did you get here and you don't know how to do this? Well, I'm here because I want to learn more and widen my scope. But that's not what he did. He actually went through my report Find all, found all the things that were wrong with it, and then he's like, hey, this is how you do things this way. This is how you do it this way. You see how you messed it up there? Well, we'll fix it by doing this. Hey, this report could be done differently. How about you go change it? Or do you think this would be better if we did it this way? And it was almost like a democratic process where he didn't just tell me what to do. He kind of bounced his idea, which is, what was going to happen, but he bounced it off me to make me sound like, make it feel like I was involved. Well, if you, you got to be grateful for that. Instead of telling me, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, here's how we're going to get you better. And at the end of it, I even told him, I said, Hey, I'm not the best at this. There's no hiding it. He already knows. I'm just telling him. So he knows that I know. And he goes, that's fine. We're going to make you better than you need to be. And we're going to do that by doing this stuff right here. We're going to correct the issues, get your reps in, and you'll come out for the better. And that's what you call a great leader and a great mentor. And this guy's in my direct chain of command. I've had many experiences where that situation would have went a whole different direction. But in this instance, it was positive. Well, now I don't feel bad for not, you know, having a great skill set in this area. Now I'm thinking, hey, I got the key to this skill set. Let's go learn and be better. So that's what I'm doing. Now, I there, these are the type of experiences or situations I find myself in that kind of make me feel, hey, you, you, you do know what you're doing or maybe you need to improve in this area. And that's just something I'm dealing with right now. It's hard to shake this feeling. I feel like I'm in a little bit deeper water than I want to be, but I try to push myself into my outside of my comfort zone so that I can become better overall as a first class and eventually, you know, prove myself to be a chief at one at some point. Okay, moving on. 
some other stuff that's going on in my life. I just got done with a, I would say, somewhat minor surgery uh, yesterday, which won't be actually yesterday when this gets published. But I just want to touch on a small point because I'm going to be discussing this later on with another friend of mine. The process getting up to that surgery and getting everything solidified and scheduled and all this stuff was kind of hectic and kind of frustrating. And it kind of points to the customer service side of our field in the med- or it points to the customer service side of the medical field. Now, my time in pediatrics, I had to learn customer service quite well. Because like I said in the past, when you're dealing with kids of family members, customer service is right it's your, it's it's one of the most important things to have or great customer service is the most important thing to have in that area so when i go in as a patient i'm hoping that i'm treated very well and when i'm not well we'll talk about it later but the surgery went fine. I'm in recovery. I'm on con leave, whatever. The past few weeks have just been stressful, kind of working up to that surgery. But now we're done. So a lot of weight off my off my shoulders. Or a lot of stress has exited the room. And before surgery, a few weeks ago, me and my family went on leave. And... We we got offered a you know, kind of a, we got offered a free trip to East Tennessee, which is where the area where I'm trying to retire or my family's trying to retire when I get out. So when my in-laws said, "Hey, we got we got extra space for y'all to stay in this vacation rental," and we said, "You had me at free," so we went for a week up there, and we kind of cruised around one of the small towns up there and looking at houses and property because we like to kind of get our eyes on the market well ahead of the game so that we know what we're getting into when we do get out. And that was fun and enjoyed our time and enjoyed a little time away from work. But the last few weeks, a month, couple months, my team has been in and out of the office or almost every day, one or two of us are not there. So the workload has been high per person and there's just been a lot of stress going on. But it's hard to complain when you're in an office building, not deployed, doing computer work. Okay, I want to move on to the point of this episode. There was a sailor that worked in my clinic at one point. I was the ALPO when the situation went down, but the story starts a couple years before that when that sailor and I were actually friends because when this sailor joined the military, got his first duty station, he came to where I was, and he got assigned to pediatrics, which is where I worked. We were both four corpsmen. And a little backstory about him, he was well into his 30s. He had a whole career before he joined. He was from another country, moved here when he was younger, and then joined the military. I believe, if I remember correctly, he was a firefighter somewhere, like in New York. And then he joined the military. And instead of getting something really cool outside of course school, you know, he got assigned to where we were, you know, in the West Coast at a hospital. And again, 
It's more specifically got assigned to pediatrics. And that's not where most people want to go when they first join. They probably wanted to go do something cool, be on a boat, be with the Marines. We all, we all get it. But he ended up in pediatrics with me. He was kind of a loner person. He didn't have a family or anything like that. He was single. And I think he even got BAH and moved out in town because at that place, it was pretty easy to get BAH even as an HN. And we kind of hit it off. He, he was one of those guys that just kind of came to work, did his job, and went home. Nothing more, nothing less. Didn't really have much emotions. So we thought he was just, hey, this is a great worker. Don't have to ask anything of him. Maybe he's not playing the game like a lot of the corpsmen try to do to be well-rounded and you know competitive for a promotion and awards. He didn't care about any of that. He just, he was very content with the paycheck he was getting and he was fulfilled with the job he had. So me and him, we, we would go on hikes together and do stuff like that. I would, you know, we were, I would say we're more an acquaintance, but we're not really like, I would say we were, lightly we were friends. But after a year or so, I, you know, made a couple of ranks. I became the ALPO. And then out of nowhere, I get a call from my LPO. I said, hey, so-and-so just popped positive on a drug test. Well, crap. Haven't had to deal with this before. This is a new experience. I've been in the Navy for four years, maybe. And there's 12 or so sailors in this department. And now we have, this is the first sailor that I had to deal with in regards to a drug pop. Now, drug pops happen. They happen, right? And a lot of them are, us as leaders, are not going to be able to prevent. It's, it's a choice on the member to do those activities. But I want to pinpoint that this was very shocking. We had no idea that this was something that he would have done. And what got brought up is that there's a lot of things going on internally with this guy where this kind of made sense. So we we have to take on the DRB. We asked him a little bit about what's happening. He kind of he gave us his story. And his story was, hey, I went to this area, I drank too much, I blacked out, woke up, and hey, smelled like weed. And the problem, the, the thing he did wrong, well, one, smoking dope. Two, he didn't come tell his chain of command, which you do drugs, you get kicked out. That's just how it is. But the right thing to do was would be to come tell us so that we can at least, you know, at least we would be bringing it to the command and not finding out through a drug test. So he took his chances. He knew he smelled like weed, so he probably knew, or he had a high suspicion that he smoked dope. And then a week or two later, he gets he gets put on a, a random urinalysis, and he went and took that, he, you know, he provided a sample, and then however long it takes to get back, bam, positive. Positive result for a THC. Now you are going to get kicked out. So he tells us that story and we're like, okay, I mean, we believe him. This is so far 
out of left field that we were just completely shocked. So we had to take them to DRB. That's like the first step when someone gets in trouble or is on their way to NJP. That's kind of what happens. Now, it's not my first instance of being at a DRB. And I'll leave it at that. That'll probably come up later on in this series or whatever. But it ain't my first time. But it is my first time being there on the Cheney Command side. So we go in, me and my LPO and our acting chief at the time, we go into this DRB and this CMC chairing the board and a bunch of chiefs, you know, at the table. We do the normal stuff where, hey, they ask us each individually, hey, what do you think about this guy? This is what's going on. This is where we're at. Like, what's, what's the deal? So each one of us gives us pretty much the same generic thing. Hey, this guy is a good worker. We've had not a single thing wrong, to, or not a, not a single negative thing to say about this guy. And this is completely shocking to see that his name is on this list. Or to be told that, you know, he popped positive. And I think at that time we got some backstory on what was going on internally with this guy. And we, I, don't, I can't remember if we brought it up at then. But we go down the line, we t- each tell our side of the story. And then they start asking us questions. And one of the chiefs on the board was looking through his file. And I guess the HN had put a name on there as a character witness. Hey, at, you know, HM2 so-and-so is a character witness for me. He can vouch for my character. Well, he put down, they, they wrote down the wrong name and they're like, hey, who's HM2 so-and-so? And we're like, I don't, I don't even know who that is. That, that's not even a name at this command. And they're like, oh, didn't they say my name? And then I was taken aback. Like, he didn't tell me I'm his character witness. Plus, I'm his, I'm his direct chain of command. So it doesn't make any sense. Because once you make ALPO or LPO, once you're a leader of somebody... Well, you can't be friends. But prior to becoming a leader, uh, we were friends. We would go on hikes and stuff together. So I was honest. I, I said, hey, you know, before I was, you know, in this position, me and him would go hiking and stuff. And that's when the CMC said, or asked me, well, did you smoke dope with him? And I almost got pissed off. Like, hey, that's inappropriate. I haven't done anything here to tell you or show you that I'd be doing the same type of stuff. And I'll never forget that. It's kind of a big slap in the face to be asked that, really. And he knew that was inappropriate. And he even said, oh, you know what? That, that, that I shouldn't ask that. And if I were to ask that kind of stuff, you know, I, you should be read your rights first. Like, I'm not the one on trial here. This guy popped on weed, you know. Not me. But anyways, we get done with our Cheney Command side of the story, and then, you know, the uh, HN goes in, and he doesn't get yelled at. He it, At that point, you're getting separated. But more on the whole leadership aspect, I kind of put myself in a bad predicament. Maybe instead of working my way up in that same department, maybe once I made LPO, they should have swapped me to a different department because a lot of the people I used to 
a lot of the people that were the sailors that would work in that department, they, you know, we were friends and, you know, we communicated daily just like we were, you know, cause we're at the same level. We're all cl- floor corpsmen, but getting moved up. And then now those sailors are my responsibility. Now you can't be friends, but then they want to say, Hey, you're a character witness. And then there's a backstory of like, y'all used to hang out. And then now this guy's in trouble cause he's smoking dope. Well, that makes me look bad. Like I'm potentially fraternizing. Which no one wants to go see the man for that, right? So I'm hope I I looking back, I'd like I wish I would have asked to be moved to a different department. Because that dynamic where if you were friends one day and then now you're the LPO, that changes things. Well now I can't be friends with you. It kind of sucks. But I think a lot of people have probably been put in that same predicament. And it almost came back to bite me because now I'm getting asked questions as if I'm associated with this guy. And now I'm being associated with his actions. Not, that's never a good day. Anyway, we go out, he goes in, he does his dear B, and then we do the whole shebang, same thing, XOI, and then CO's mass. And we all have to give our, you know, you have to give your remarks about the sailor at XOI and CO's mast. So it was my first experience going through that, being on this side of the curtain in regards to NJP and stuff. So what was going on with this guy? Well, before he joined, he was engaged to a woman. They were planning on getting married. Well, she unfortunately passed away. And as we all know, if you had someone close to you pass away like that, suddenly that's traumatizing and it's going to stick with you for a very, very long time, if not forever. And if you don't have the correct coping mechanism for grieving and grieve in a positive way, then you may turn to things that you shouldn't be doing. Now, I don't know what he did before the Navy or whatever, but he was a quiet person and we didn't really know what was going on after he left work. So he turned to drinking and he drank from what we gathered. He drank too much and he found himself in a situation where he, he blacked out and apparently lost control of his actions, which is never going to be an excuse, right? And he smoked some dope because he drank himself to, or drank too much that night. And was coping in the in a very negative manner. So this guy was dealing with a lot of stuff internally and he was not talking about it. That's hard to deal with and that's hard to see from a leadership perspective. To see a sailor of yours go through something like that. Like, hey man, we could have helped you if you would have spoken up. But hey, we can't we can't put it on the member. If that sailor is your responsibility, we failed by not being intrusive with his personal life. Now, some people may think you shouldn't be that intrusive or may, some people may be too intrusive, but this example shows you that we weren't prying into this guy's personal life and seeing what he was doing on the outside of the work hours. 
Now, the time when I was friends with him and we would go hiking and stuff, he, we'd talk. I, I, mean, I knew he had a fiance at one point. I knew that she died suddenly, but I'd never seen him drinking, so he probably was hiding that or was doing it privately. So I had no reason to have any concerns. But as leaders, we have to, we have to know the people that are working in our shops, and we failed at that. I'll never forget the situation that we, my LPO and I went through, and specifically what the member went through. He didn't cope right. He didn't speak up. We didn't. And we didn't get into his personal life. So many factors that could have, any one of them, could have made this situation not happen. And we failed at like three or four different things, or three three or four different aspects. Or we could have helped this guy, and he could still be in the navy, still enjoying life, but now he's out. And when you get out on, you know a positive drug test, you get administratively separated in that manner, you're not getting out on good terms. So we failed. And I'll leave it at that. Now the story didn't stop there. He went to NJP, he got awarded his punishment. Now I like how they always say awarded punishment. It's an interesting choice of words. But he was awarded his punishment, and he did his 45 days restriction, 45 days extra duty. You know, the money got cut in half. All The whole nine yards. So when you have a, a sailor get in trouble for drugs, alcohol, whatever, because this guy obviously had an alcohol problem that led him to do drugs as well. The human side of me says, well, let's get this person help first and foremost. But the Navy system said, you're going to do your punishment first. Because after he did his 45 days, 45 days, he then went to SARP counseling. And then that's where he started getting better on a personal side of it. But why does he have to go, if someone needs help, let's give them the help they need. If someone drinks himself to blackout, does drugs, gets in trouble, and they tell us at their DRB, XOI, and Mass that I need help, and this is how, the, how I got here, Making him do 45 days of restriction and extra duty is only going to make it worse. Yeah, he can't drink during that time period. I get it. He's not all. He's also not going to be drinking during SARP counseling and the SARP program. But wouldn't it be better for the sailor, the person, to go through counseling and then somewhere down the road do their punishment? Or why are we doing punishment? They're going to get administrative, administratively separated. So does the 45-45 do anything for us or them or him? I don't know. Personally, I would have liked to have seen that guy go through SARP counseling and then just get it separated or administratively separated. 
The punishment is you're not getting the same in the Navy, ultimately. 45 days of restriction isn't going to teach that guy he needs to get help with alcohol. What's going to give them give him help is counseling and a program made for people who can't handle their alcohol or are going through a personal issue where they cope with drinking alcohol. I think that the whole story of this guy getting in trouble and all that, it could have been done better, maybe. If you take the Navy out of it and someone get, ha, has an alcohol problem, you take them to get help. But the fact that we're in the military, we have to have good order and discipline and there's punishment to everything. So I get that. And I know that the appropriate mat or the appropriate procedures are to send that person through the DRB XOI mass and then have them go through their awarded punishment. But then why do we give them SARP counseling after that? If we're punishing this person and then we're going to separate them dishonorably or administratively, why aren't we helping them too? And I don't say that as in he doesn't deserve help. We obviously want to help that person, so why aren't we doing it backwards? Why couldn't we have given that guy the counseling he needed and once he got better, hey, you still owe us that punishment? Or just take the punishment out and just separate him and said, hey, you had your shot, you ruined it. We gave you the counseling before you came out. Good luck on the civilian side of things. In this situation, what do you guys think could have been done better? Or is this ultimately just the sailor's fault? My opinion is that the sailor goofed up and he knew he goofed up. But leading up to that incident... I think us as leaders, we could have done something. And I regret not doing anything or not being intrusive enough with the sailors that were under my responsibility. Okay, that wraps up one more episode in the books. Please join me on the next episode or episodes. I have quite a few interviews lined up with some HM2s, potentially another senior chief, even a master chief. I'm pretty excited to see where this goes. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, email me at docspovpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from anybody. And see you at the next one. Peace.